Hi, it's great to be with you. We've been meeting online uh, now for around about 13 months. And the good news is with the speed of the vaccine rollout, with the dropping infection rates, it looks like the government's uh, timetable is on course to be met. And we've been putting plans together as we look to start uh, meeting uh, again face to face as a church. It's a big shift because we've all got used to the way we've been doing things over the last 12 months. And so the key for us is going to be keeping things simple and sustainable. We're going to be continuing Hope Online through the rest of the spring and the summer. And uh, in June, uh, taking account of all uh, the government guidelines at that moment in time, uh, we're going to be introducing some opportunities for face-to-face -face gatherings for us as a church. We believe that's important as we look to transition back to meeting again come September. In July and August, alongside Hope Online, we're going to start uh, again meeting face to face for those who uh, are wanting to do that. And we're going to focus during that season specifically on the things that we've really missed over this last year. We're going to be sharing more about that in the coming weeks. And obviously, we still are going to have to be flexible because we're really not 100% sure as to the government restrictions on social distancing and how they'll change. From today, as Lucas talked about, for the next two months, we're going to be looking at the book of Ezra and the series is called Coming Home. This is going to be really relevant for us as a church. We're going to touch on lots of issues for us that we're all going to face as we start to meet together again. Some of it's practical, some of it is emotional and some of it is spiritual. And my heart is that in doing this series, we hear from God together. And so as we come home to gather again, we do it with grace and humility. We want to follow Jesus' example, who considered others' needs as more important than his own. And the ultimate goal is to honour God and to worship him together. And so today I'm going to be starting the series uh, and the title is Returning Home. And we're going to read the first three verses of Ezra chapter 1 from the Christian Standard Bible together. And this is what they say. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, in order to fulfil the word of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah, the Lord roused the spirit of King Cyrus to issue a proclamation throughout his entire kingdom and to put it in writing. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of the heavens, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build him a house at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you, may his God be with him, and may he go to Jerusalem in Judah and build the house of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. A few weeks ago, uh, I had the privilege of leading a funeral for one of my neighbours who died uh, a few weeks before. And as we left the crematorium, we left to the music, Simon and Carfunkel, uh, Homeward Bound. Uh, the family wanted to convey that 
Uh, the person who died was now at a place of rest. They'd suffered greatly over the last couple of years and they wanted everyone to know that they believed he was now gone to a place where he was at perfect rest. You see, home means different things to each one of us. At best, it reminds us a place of uh, safety where we are loved unconditionally. In difficult times, home is the place that we long for. Ezra is all about coming home. God's people returning to Jerusalem from exile. It was the end of a, a sad chapter in their history. God had chosen Israel to show, to reveal to a watching world that he was the one true God, a God of grace, a God of mercy, a God who was holy and just, a God who loved them. Sadly, they kept turning their backs on God. The Bible calls it sin where we live without reference to God. And God graciously kept warning them what would happen if they didn't turn back to worship him and they didn't listen and the inevitable happened. They were taken into exile in Babylon. It was a bleak time for them as a people and yet it wasn't the end. God promised that 70 years later he would bring them back home. He told them in advance, they, he wanted them to know that it would be his doing. And so when Babylon was overthrown and uh, a new king, Cyrus, uh, came to rule over them, he decreed that the Jews could return home to rebuild the temple, the house of God destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar previously. God was at work. You may be asking, Steve, that's all very nice, but why are we looking at an Old Testament book that so many people have never read. I want you to know that I am convinced that God wants to speak to us through this book at this time. Over the last 14 months, it's felt a little like uh, we are in exile. We understand a little bit of what it means to not be able to worship God together. Whilst no one is to blame for COVID, I believe that God has been using this season to teach us things and to remind us of things that I think we were in danger of forgetting. For us, it's going to be more like 70 weeks uh, where, uh, before we're able to start meeting again. Yet when we do, we're going to face some of the issues that the people of God faced in Ezra's day. And in talking about those days, uh, prophets at the time like Haggai and Zechariah uh, remind us of what was going through the hearts of the people. In Haggai, we read that God's people were disappointed when they came home because it wasn't as they expected it to be. In fact, we're told uh, in Ezra by Ezra himself, that not everybody came back straight away. In fact, Ezra didn't. The person who wrote the book didn't come back straight away. The people of God faced hard work, opposition, anxiety, fear. 
Those are the, some of the things that we are going to face as we come back towards meeting again. There are people who are anxious. There are people who are fearful. And it's understandable after all that we've been through. God wants to prepare us as we move towards meeting together again, as we come home. He wants to speak to us. He wants to encourage us. There are some things that he wants to tell us. And so from the opening verses, I want to draw out two things for us today. The first one is this. God is working out his perfect plan. Now, I don't know if uh, you have watched uh, the, the TV series, the comedy Blackadder, if you've watched any of the series. But if you have, you will know that Blackadder, played by Rowan Atkinson, has a servant called Baldrick. And uh, throughout the series, one of Baldrick's phrases is this, I have a cunning plan. And if you've watched this series, you know that actually it was never much of a plan. There are moments when it doesn't feel to us like God has much of a plan. I've heard it said recently that uh, by people that churches are really going to struggle coming out of this season. That attendance is going to drop by somewhere up to maybe 30%. And that financially churches are going to struggle. And if so, God's church is in serious trouble. I want you to know that Ezra tells us a different story. From the opening verses, Ezra gives us a different narrative. God is still in charge. Ezra says he, he's the Lord, the God of the heavens. He rules over the world that he's created. He rules over history. Right now, God wants to settle in our hearts that he is ruling over the heavens and he's ruling over our story, our history. He is in control. We are his people. If our situation seems bleak, then no, God hasn't finished with us yet. If things don't turn out as planned or expected, if we feel disappointed, God is still on the throne. He's still working out his good, perfect and pleasing will. He's the God who turns all things together for our good. God's plan is going to come to pass because God's word is all powerful. You see, Ezra, when he talks about the prophecy of Jeremiah, uh, he talks about uh, the word of the Lord. Things that God had spoken about uh, to his people through Jeremiah. He says that's the word of God, God's word, the God who created the heavens. It's what he says. How do we view what the Bible says? Ezra reminds us that God is faithful. His word is all powerful. Even after 70 years, God fulfills his promise. How long have we been waiting for God to fulfill his word to us? Slowly but surely, God works out his perfect plan. He works out his purposes through each and every circumstance and situation that we face. He never changes, we're told in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. And if God never changes, what he says must be true. 
God uses even the most unlikely people. We're told he stirred up the spirit of Cyrus. He was at work in the heart of the world's most powerful man at the time. God, we're told in the Bible, can harden hearts, but he can also move men's hearts. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1, in the ESV, it says this, The king's heart is a stream of water in the heart and the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Just as a stream of water can be diverted, so God can change hearts of people who are opposed to him. I remember years ago uh, in a previous church where we were looking to acquire some land to build and uh, we uh, found some land at the edge of the village of Hedge End and uh, myself and Martin who was leading the church at the time uh, we arranged a meeting with the landowner and the landowner said I will meet with you but I want you to know I will never sell you this piece of land. I won't sell it to you but I'm happy to meet with you. And so we went to meet with him and we had several meetings over several months where we would sit and talk about our plans or what we wanted to do. And he was adamant all the way along that he wouldn't sell us that field. Then one day, something extraordinary happened. In the middle of a meeting, he started talking about not that he wouldn't, but he said, I will sell. He said, if this happens, I will sell you the land. God was moving his heart, changed his heart. And it came about that one day he sold us the land. And if you go there now, you see this massive 1300-seater auditorium on a piece of land that the owner said that they would never sell. Why? Because God worked in the man's heart and changed what he, what he was thinking. God worked a miracle. God answered prayer. And so how do we respond to uh, a God who uh, is in control and works in the hearts of those who don't even know him. The first thing is we trust. We trust him to do what he said he will do. What he's going to do in our lives and in our situation, what he said he's going to do for us, but also in the life of the church. If God isn't working out his plans, if God's not building his church, then the Bible says in the Psalms that we are wasting our time. This year, we have trusted that God would continue to build his church. That God would continue to work out his purposes in us and through us. God is doing that. God is doing that right at this moment. And even if it doesn't feel like it to you, he is at work in your life and in your circumstances. He's at work in the life of the church. He is planning uh, to grow and cause his church to flourish. So we trust him. The second thing we do is we pray. Jesus encourages us in Luke chapter 18 to, to pray and not give up. We need to pray for uh, those uh, in authority. We need to pray for our boss, that head teacher, that work colleague, our children, our teenagers, our neighbours, those who uh, seem so opposed to God at the moment. Those in authority over us, we're told in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. We're told to pray for those in authority. You see, God still channels the hearts of men and women in line with his word and in response to our prayers. So we pray. We're God, we are people who pray because God is working out his perfect 
plan. The second thing is this. God is teaching us something in this season. I mean, there are some things, I don't know about you, but there are some lessons I find it really difficult to learn. And, uh, and, and it's so frustrating for those around us when lessons we should have learned, we don't. And they see us doing the same old things, same old mistakes again and again. You see, God wanted his people who were uh, to learn some lessons. And so they went into exile because God was wanting to work on them and shape them and change them. And wanted, he wanted them to be a people who trusted him, who loved him with all their hearts. And when they came out of exile and they came home, God wanted them to learn that lesson. Sadly, they still struggled with it. And in this season, God has been wanting to teach us some things. He's been wanting us to learn some things and uh, uh, things that perhaps we've struggled to learn or, or remember over, uh, over the years. And I want to headline three things that I think Ezra underscores for us. The first is this the importance of God's presence. You see, returning home is never to encounter God's presence because God was already with them. As you read uh, the story of God's people in exile, God was already with them. God was, uh, uh, was working amongst them. It was God who moves the king's heart when they're in exile. It was uh, God who worked and moved in the hearts of people to come back. We read that in verse 5 of chapter 1 of Ezra. We read that the gracious hand of God was upon them several times in the book uh, as Ezra writes as, as God's people start to come home. You see, all of that has been true for us in this last year. God's presence has been with us when we've been at home, when we've been out walking uh, uh, in twos and threes, when we've been able to meet in homes in small groups at times when that's been uh, available to us, God has been with us. He's not abandoned us. He's never left us or forsaken us. The Bible makes it clear that God has, uh, it's always been God's attention to be amongst his people. Right from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, we read Adam and Eve used to uh, walk in the, uh, with God in the cool of the day because God loved to be with them. And when Adam uh, rebelled, disobeyed God, and uh, we read that sin uh, entered God's creation, what happened? That relationship was broken. And right at that very moment, we uh, read that God wanted to restore relationship, wanted to draw us back uh, into present, into his presence. Ezra uh, focuses much on God's people coming back and building a temple, building a house for God's people to worship in. But it wasn't that uh, he wasn't with them already. It was all about worship. And so uh, we need to know that God is with us right now. God wants us to challenge us. Have we learned the lesson that he's with us in twos and threes, in small groups? Have we learned the lesson that God hasn't abandoned us? God wants us to have that deeply embedded in us. So as we come back to meeting and we don't lose it, we don't suddenly think that uh, as we gather together, that's the only time that we meet. Uh, with God. No, 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 no. God meets us when we're on our own, when we get up in the mornings and we open our Bibles maybe and we pray. 
Or as we go to bed, we, uh, we lift up our voices to pray. We start to pray. We, God draws near us by his spirit. When we're talking with friends uh, about Jesus, he's there in the midst with us. God's presence is powerful with us. We need to know that God is with us. God wants us to really grasp that over this season. He is with us. It says in uh, Psalm 91 that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And what it's saying is that as we draw near to God, as we uh, put our trust in him, God is right next to us. And it's as though God's shadow uh, falls over us. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. God's nearness, God's presence is with us wherever we go, whatever we do. And so in the midst of lockdown, in the midst of being away from face, uh, being able to gather as a church, God is with us. We mustn't lose sight of that. It isn't all about Sunday gatherings. Those are so precious, but it's not everything. Have we learned the lesson that God is with us? The second thing that I think God wants to impress on us and wants us to learn is the importance of corporate worship. In the next few weeks, we're going to be exploring that together in a little bit more detail. And so uh, even though God's with us, there's something incredibly powerful about gathering together to worship. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's something over these last years that I think we've perhaps taken for granted. And God wants us uh, and wants us over this last year. He's been impressing on us the importance of corporate worship. I don't know about you, but I have really missed being together, worshipping God uh, as we gather on a Sunday morning. Really missed it. Now, singing with Annie in our front room is precious, but it's not the same. There's something about us being together and worshipping him. We need to be those who remember uh, the importance of corporate worship. The days gone by, I think we've taken it for granted. We've been so focused on the songs that we sing. I don't like that song. I don't like that song. Or um, we've been so focused on the style or the way we've done things. And uh, maybe we've been a little grumpy about uh, how things have unfolded in our worship times on a Sunday. I hope we've learned the lesson over the last year that there's something profoundly precious about us worshipping God together. And so that when we come back together, we learn the lesson and we appreciate the privilege of corporate worship. You see, we mustn't focus on the means of worship. We need to focus on the one we worship. We come to worship the living God, the one who gave his son to die for us, that we might be set free, that we might come to know God as a father. We have the privilege of worshipping God and God wants us to remember the importance of corporate worship. You see, one day we're going to be uh, together in heaven. We're going to be worshipping God uh, forever and a new heaven and a new earth. And in those days, we're going to be completely focused on God. We're not going to be focused on, oh, I don't like that song. It's a bit repetitive or the angels are singing a bit loud. We are going to be so overwhelmed with the presence of God. All those things will be insignificant. There'll be nothing. And God wants us to learn that lesson now 
and learn the importance of worshipping him. You see, one of the writers in one of the commentaries I've read uh, says that in returning home, the rhythms of regular worship disrupted by the exile needed to be restored. You know, we need to restore the rhythm of our corporate worship. You see, singing at home isn't the same. It says of the uh, the people in Ezra's day when they were in exile in Psalm 137, it says that uh, some of the exiles, it says when they, they just they, they hung up their instruments. In fact, they said in verse four of Psalm 137, how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? It wasn't the same. And so as we come back together, we're going to need to relearn the rhythms of corporate worship together. God wants to restore that with us. We're going to focus on what we've missed as we start to gather again over the summer, the importance of corporate worship. And the third thing is, the importance of relationships. You see, in our culture, um, the rights of the individual are king. It's all about my needs, my feelings, my views, and uh, woe betide anyone who offends my feelings or disagrees with my views. It's why social media has become so weaponized. Uh, I don't know if you uh, uh, heard the story recently of Keir Starmer uh, was harangued on social media by a group uh, in his political party for visiting a church which disagreed with their views. And as a result, he immediately apologised. He gave in to the pressure. Society is increasingly fractured and people's views are being spouted out loud uh, around us all the time. And whilst we've been apart, whilst we've been not been able to gather together, God's been speaking about the importance of relationship, of community, of our unity, of being of one heart and of one mind, of maintaining the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. When God's people went into exile in Ezra's, uh, 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 in the run-up to Ezra's day, uh, they were a fractured people. They were a people with all sorts of schisms. They were uh, focused on what tribe they were, whether they were from the tribe of uh, Judah or whether they were from the people of Israel, the other 10 tribes. It was all about their social status. They were rich and they were poor. They were, uh, it was about position or whether they were priests or whether they were run of the mill, had ordinary jobs. When they returned, they came back as God's people, together of one heart, one mind, each of them with a part to play. It really sorted out uh, who they considered they were, that they knew that they were God's people. They realized we are God's people coming home. Some actually never came back. Uh, uh, some actually new people joined them. It's going to be the same for us. We're going to see some changes. There are going to be people that we expect to be amongst us who are not there. We're going to see new people with us. I know many people uh, during the season have found community, uh, new community in, uh, in groups. They found they've made relationships with people that they didn't uh, really know before. They found new friendships with people that they hardly knew. And as we gather again, God wants us to not lose 
that sense of community. He doesn't want us just to focus on the big gatherings together. He wants us to be a people who know what it is to be his people in twos and threes and small groups. He's been challenging us about discipleship, about being uh, good disciples and making good disciples. He doesn't want us to lose that over the season. He wants us to know the importance of relationships, of growing in our faith. You see, there are many who I believe in these days are, are open to encountering the living God. This season has uh, uh, God is at work in the hearts of people who don't know him. And I believe that there's a receptiveness to the gospel that we have not known before. And we need to be a people who are open to building new friendships and new relationships. And so as people come in amongst us, we're to be those who welcome and receive them. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you've been following the news, but uh, uh, the government have uh, given citizenship to numbers of people in Hong Kong. And so we're likely to see coming to the UK, they estimate around about 300,000 people from Hong Kong in the next few years settling here with us. They need to find a home in this country. And I believe that many of them will need to find home in our churches. And we need to be a church that are welcoming to all who are looking for a home. So as we come home, we want many others to come home and find that God is their father. It's what Jesus called us to do. It's what he did. It's what his disciples did. And it's what we are to do. So as we draw to a conclusion today, I want you to know that God has been working out his perfect plan. God over this season has been teaching us something important and he wants us to learn the lessons. He wants us to know the importance of his in presence, the importance of worshipping him together, the importance of relationship. And as we explore the message of Ezra in the coming weeks, we're going to see that the end will be better than the beginning. In Haggai chapter 2 verse 9, the prophet Haggai sums up the message of these days. He says, the glory of the present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And what he's saying is what you've seen before will be nothing to what God is going to do in the days ahead. You see, the best is yet to come. God is building his church. He said the gates of hell would not prevail and would not stop him doing that. In the book of Zechariah, who also prophesied alongside Haggai about these days, in chapter 4, verse 6, he talks about uh, how God will do it. And he says, it won't be by might, it won't be by your effort, it won't be by your power, but it would be by the Spirit of God. And so in these days, we are looking for God to move by his Spirit as we come home, that God would fill us with his Spirit and help us be the people he called us to be, that we would see many new people joined to the family of God. And so as we close this morning, as we look forward to coming home again, I'm going to ask God to meet with us right now and to fill us with his spirit and prepare us for all he wants to do. Father, I want to thank you that you are with us. You have never left us. You've been with us all through this season as we've been in our homes by ourselves. You've never left us. You've never forsaken us. 
I want to thank you that even when it seemed that nothing is happening, you've been working out your perfect plan amongst us. Thank you that you have your eye over your church, your people. You've had your eye over us at Hope Church and that you are working out your purposes. And so, Father, as we look to come together again, help us do it well and stir us and help us, Father, to hear from you, to follow your lead, to respond to your call and to be led by your spirit. Father, we ask you, would you build your church in these days? And for those who don't know you, those who've never put their trust in Jesus, I pray that you would work in their hearts right now and that you would stir them and move them to open their lives to you. In Jesus' name.